Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome in, friends, to Rates and Barrels. Thank you very much for tuning in. I am Chris Welsh. Today joining me is Eno Saris, and I'm actually doing a special open without Eno because I want you to hear my voice normally. I want you to know that I am aware of mic settings, and I just want you to know that I am aware that my voice is going to sound a little different in this one. Through all the chaos of everything with Eno on location here, my microphone got messed up. So, yes, I am aware that I'm going to sound a little hollowy. I apologize I'm going to go sit in a corner and think about what I've done for a little bit, but we do have a great episode, and I know you're going to enjoy it. Regardless of my bad audio, I apologize once again. I'm wearing the dunce hat until the next episode. So here's Eno and I. I'm Chris Welsh, and joining me today with probably the greatest backdrop that you've (laughs) ever seen that isn't like a Zoom backdrop, of course, is the great Enosaurus from the trough. I'm telling you, you guys have to go to the YouTube right now because it looks like those fake like Zoom backgrounds where someone puts in like, oh, I'm just going to put the whole baseball stadium. You literally have the whole baseball stadium. I'm watching players walk behind you on the field. Eno. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually my first time at the trough. So uh, it's uh, I think it's actually maybe an underrated place. It's uh, it's really like bright. I, I've heard players complain about that in terms of like losing balls in the in the ceiling you know uh but it's also kind of cool as a fan because it's it just feels really sort of bright and vibrant without being like you know 90 degrees and humid you know <laughs> so uh it's a pretty cool stop on my spring training jaunt here uh was in cardinals camp a little while back talking to tyler o'neill and giovanni gallegos about being slow <laughs> he's a, he's a slow? Okay. he's a pitch clock guy so we talked a little bit about that and his and his bullet slider so you know today talked to uh pete fairbanks about his uh incredible stuff plus we'll have a little bit more about that later but uh uh also uh had a little discussion with drew rasmussen about his sweeper so i love spring because you can hit a bunch of camps in a row and uh people have a little more time and uh so it's been been fun it's a little bit tougher where you're at. Uh, funny enough, you just said Tyler O'Neill. I just saw him yesterday because uh, Team Canada, I was over at Mariners camp. Team uh, Canada was playing Seattle, and I didn't realize that they decided to come do VP over there, and Tyler O'Neill walked out, former Mariner, so he was comfortable with the complex. Freddie Freeman didn't come out, but Tyler O'Neill came out and said, oh, yeah, uh, WBC is going on, uh, which is kind of just a, a crazy, crazy odd thing. But in Florida – there's a lot more traveling. Like I can go to every park, I think within a 40 minute span. But as I'm told it is out, I've had multiple players tell me that we're used to be East coast and come over to West coast say it is night and day experience coming over here because the travel is so much easier. So you can't really go and see on your jaunt. You can't really lock into everybody. Right. I can't really do like, you know, multiple camps in one day. Like you can kind of do that in Arizona. It's kind of tough here, 
But what I have noticed is a little bit of segmentation between the east and west coast here in in Florida, where um, over where I was earlier in Jupiter, you've got the Astros, the Mets, the Cardinals, I think somebody else, and they they could, I think they just play each other a lot because when I drove across from West Palm Beach to uh, Fort Myers. It's a long drive. It was like a three-hour drive. There's not really a highway that does it. And I can't imagine that the Red Sox are going to play the Cardinals a lot this spring. I mean, maybe I'm wrong and that's on the schedule, but uh, uh, probably once, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. And then tough for, for a rider to kind of do them both. So uh, now that I'm up here, though, uh, you know, you've got Bradenton, Fort Myers, uh, Dunedin, Clearwater, Tampa. So there's a, there's a bunch of teams uh, near Tampa. Uh, and, I, and I hope to have some uh, fun talking to some players over the next couple of days. Yeah, I was about to say, is there any previews of players that are coming up? Or maybe even if you don't have it locked down, are there any wants of what you're going to try to do over the next couple of days? Uh, well, generally, I'm talking to a lot of guys about sweepers, uh, talking to some hitters about uh, launch angle and strikeouts. I've been working on a piece for about a year about the relationship of launch angle and strikeouts. So. Uh, that's what I've been sort of generally talking to hitters about. But other topics include the pitch clock and how that's uh, going to affect baseball. Not in terms, I did talk to Gallego sort of about what it's like on the inside, but, you know, try to deal with that. But also just were players uh, resting on purpose to throw harder? Um, and uh, if that was the case, will there be more fatigue, and how will that manifest? So um, that's uh, that's an ongoing conversation this spring. I mean, yeah, is that similar to that thing that was going on with Chris Bassett? Like a couple, like was it like a week ago? Chris Bassett's velos across the board were down down by like two to three miles per hour, and everybody had a panic. And I think he just kind of said, "Now this is what I want to do." He wanted to keep it down in spring. There's a lot of spring like reactionary stuff from Bassett and all the low. Uh, velocity stuff to like Dylan Cease getting rocked. Sometimes those things can coincide to these guys not wanting to put it all on, on the field right now and we can get some big overreactions. I'm not a big Cease guy. That might not be the case, but I was curious. Is that like what the Bassett thing is? Well, no, I think I care a little bit less when it's results, you know. Um, like the 11 runs Cease gave up? Yeah, I mean, he could have like, he could have had a start like that in June and his you know, 10, 15 starts before and after it would have just covered it up. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, people have bad days. It's that's, that's yeah. what I'm not so concerned about, but I would say I saw those Bassett comments and I don't quite buy it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yes, guys are down earlier in spring and there's a ramp up, but the ramp up is usually on the order of one to two ticks over spring. So, so two more than two plus is uh concerning I overall. Notice. And I don't really, Oh, yeah, you did it on purpose? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, yeah. we got you. We, we did it on yeah. purpose, Chris. I, gotcha. like, that's what I tell my kids. I airballed that shot on purpose. <laughs> oh, it's a good dad move. Maybe it was just a dad move yeah. playing with us. So uh, I love it. Uh, it it'd be, I'm very much looking forward to all the great stuff. As uh, Eno said, uh, Pete Fairbanks, looks like there's a conversation. Gallegos, Tyler O'Neill, great stuff that'll be uh, coming down at the Athletic, which is a great reminder. You guys to come and sign up, theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. $2 a month gets you rocking. And whether it's articles, uh, other great content, Eno has got all of that stuff going on. Can so update sure the ranking soon. Yeah, it's kind of that time. I mean, we're into the, what do we got? Like probably the next two biggest draft weekends, I would say this weekend, maybe two or three weekends that are coming up here. Have you finished all your drafts? No, I think I'm going to join like an NFBC uh, AL auction maybe because I just cool. practiced that with my labor auction this weekend. And so I think I might do that. That might be fun. You're a madman. Do, do you think there's going to be a point with the DH the advent of the DH now that ALNL leagues will go by the wayside in the next five to 10 years. This is just a random thought I just had. Like, like I know no, it was so because big, I think but it's, it was... it's not so much about the difference of the leagues. Uh, when you do the mono league, it's about really forcing you to know the depth of the player pool and really forcing you to make decisions. One of the things that's um, I think tough about like sort of eight and 10 team leagues. A lot of times is like, you know, I can just have all stars. <laughs> like, yeah, like how many, have everybody. how many like real hard decisions are you forced to make? But when you, the deeper you get, the more you have to be like, oh man, I have to skimp on closers or mid-level starters or the outfield or third base. I have to, I have to make some really hard decisions here. Otherwise, uh, you know, sort of playing middle of the road doesn't really work. So it's, it's kind of like in basketball or in head to head where you'd be like, 
the deeper it goes, the more like I got to punt something. I got to yeah. punt a category. My, my only argument to it is, is like, uh, I felt like ALNL, their life, the depth thing is right. You're hundred percent right about that. Like it's, it, I think it's fun test for fantasy baseball players. I think people that have played for a long time, you know, understanding the depth and knowing it is there, but part of its usage was about the differences in the league. And that was why people would like to do AL or NL. There is now no different. There's a balanced schedule. There's DH across the board. It's now almost just become like, well, we used to do it, so let's keep doing it. I feel like there's less of a reason for fancy people, like new people to come in. That's why I'm curious in five to ten years if that's a format mm. that just kind of dies away. Because why would new people want to go play it when there's literally no difference anymore? Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely not. It's definitely also not something that I think would be appealing to a first-time player. It's really, you know, it's not even jumping to the Jeep end. It's like, I'm going to jump off the 60-foot cliff instead of, like, hopping into the pool, you know? Yeah, like the person that's listened to their dad for, like, 20 years be like, uh, you know, NL ball is better because the hitter, that's gone. Like, no one's going to have, like, why NL and AL are different. It's just a random thought I had when I think, because I do this big 16-team AL, NL, we call it the AL, NL Masters. Oh, so you're saying it could be replaced by mix, but just like 20 or 30 yeah, teams. Yeah, I'm saying it's or... just gone. Like the the, the idea of, of people wanting to solidify, I want to play an NL or an AL only, the differences just make it almost irreverent. It's almost just like I'm playing a football NFC league. Like there are just no differences in the leagues. And I feel like if there's... I guess so there's, there's still the differences in, in the player pool. I mean, uh, for example... You know, if you're looking at starting pitching, the ace pool in in the NL is much deeper. Uh, yeah. You just goes. If you're looking for aces, it goes 10, 12 deep. So you could that could afford that could make you change your strategy. So I think the strategies are different in AL and versus NL. Um, you know, I think there are probably even more elite closers in the NL. Hater, um, uh, Diaz, Helsley. And the AL, you got Bautista, Presley, Classe, Classe. Maybe it's the same. Yeah, but it just, you know what? Uh, you there are differences in the player pool, and 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 that you know, I think that's a that strategy. Anything that forces you to consider different strategies, I think, makes the game better. The the more the fewer strategies there are to win, uh, the worse the game is. I think. Yeah, that, that's, I think, relevant for regular baseball, too. One of the, the cool things about these new rules is it kind of creates the idea that maybe go like a go-go team, like a real, like, you know, we're going to steal bases all the time team. Maybe that could be a more viable strategy with the bases and the things the way they are. And, you know, the one I, thing I, that might be going away is like a team like the Cardinals, you know, betting on contact and infield defense. Does that go away or, you know, like, does that work in a, in a anti-shift environment? So uh, this, you know, there's always a give and take with new rules. Yeah, and I think it, it makes you a better player, uh, surprisingly, if, when you play NL or AL only. But I definitely think if there was one format that would be on the chopping block, it would be that just a, a side point. Um, as you go by and listen to the episode, by the way, you know, is uh, not only at the trop, but in the press box. So who knows? Maybe we'll get some awesome writers that walk by and you know, get a side interview. But there might be a little bit of people hanging around. And uh, we, we had we were almost worried because you had this amazing shot, but the Internet was shoddy. But you were able to move down in a press box into a better spot and the internet is good so we're rocking so just everybody uh, uh can you hear the episode. can you hear the like warm-up music a little bit like there's little tiny things it's actually really good it's very very good okay. sometimes it's really loud yeah like, it, you <laughs> no. know well i got like this uh this documentary style tour uh, you know like where Eno was he's like all right hold on and Eno just walks <laughs> through the holes in the back and i'm seeing people and the internet's going and it was really loud as people are going but you found this amazing spot and luckily it's not bad at all so uh and then the episode today we're planning to talk about some of the news that is going on and stuff plus is uh out there and we're going to be talking about that at the uh, at the back end which is going to be very cool just got released today so uh, strap in for that but the big piece of news that really does have like an adp effect and i'm really dying to dying to hear what you have to say because i've talked to multiple people about this and i've kind of settled on where i'm going to move him carlos Rodon is a, a big massive injury where he is going to start the season on the il he underwent an mri on wednesday and it showed a mild strained uh, which essentially it was like this superficial forearm muscle issue. Now I watched an interview, you know, where he was super dismissive of it, super dismissive. It was, he was like, Hey, listen, if this was September 
or October, I'm playing, no big deal. Uh, I don't want to, one of his quotes was like, I don't want to be good until the All-Star break. I want to be good the whole season. So it's very precautionary. Going in with an arm issue and the IL is the scariest thing a pitcher can do, yet he is massively dismissive about it. I want to first get your take on the injury itself, and then we're going to talk about the ramifications, what it is for fantasy, because I think most people are in agreement that this has to be not a free fall, but a pretty big fall. Yeah. Again, like you just signed a deal and you're on a new, you're on a new team. And yes, there is the pressure to be like, let's make sure he's healthy through the course of this contract, the course of the season. And that's more important than starting on day one. Same time, most people prefer not to draft a pitcher who's currently injured. <laughs> um, and that's why I, uh, you know, I managed to get Tyler Glass now with like the 200th pick in TGFBI wow. because nobody really wants to be like, okay, I'm going to take him, but I can't play him for a while. So he has to, he has to go really far down, I think. And I think where I have him, so I, I originally targeted, um, right around where I have Clayton Kershaw, you know, sort of 34th. He's got a 144-inning projection, the 3 ERA and 27% strikeout rate. But I had about 170 innings for College Rodon before, and how many are you going to really dock him for this? So I, I docked him to about 150, and I was like, well, okay, he's going to have more innings than Kershaw still probably, right? Yeah. And he's going to have more strikeouts than Kershaw. He's got a projected 32% strikeout rate. And it, our model says he's going to have a 2.89 ERA. So um, I think I think where it will get hard for me is uh, maybe around Fromber Valdez or Luis Severino, which I have 25 and 26. So I think uh, Carlos Rodon drops to sort of Blake Snellish level, 25, 24, and that would. You know, for example, for Blake Snell, I have 156 innings, a 3180 ERA, and a 31% strikeout rate. So, uh, Rodon belongs ahead of him, and uh, that's sort of where I have it right now. That's uh, that's hilarious, by the way, that you're mentioning all of these guys because the consensus we started with was it's around the, the mid 20s. I settled then with Rodon right behind Blake Snell. But it's the same exact thing. Like I have, uh, I have to update my numbers here, but I want to say that I put Radon at 27 and I have Blake Snell at 26 right now. So that's exactly the move that I made. And it's significant. And and my overall, that pushed him right at the like 100 marker. Like that was kind of where I had those guys. I do know in drafts that like Blake Snell is going a little bit higher. I actually pulled up uh, NFBC draft champions March 1st on, which uh, has about seven drafts in it. But doesn't really have the Rodon injury in it. It doesn't, though, and that was kind of the sneak. Actually, here's an ironic thing. Blake Snell's going at 114 in those. In the overall draft champions, um, what was this right here? The overall draft champions, Rodon was around 30, something like that. Like, or uh, No, I'm sorry, like 42. In the, and since March 1st, it's 31. So Radon has not updated. And by the way, I had it mixed up. Snell was 105 since March. That The 112 was like the long term. Yeah. So if you want to have like a relative range, I think that's where Radon goes. Here's another fascinating. Who would you rather have, Radon or Joe Musgrove? Joe Musgrove coming back from the toe injury, going to miss a couple starts. They might miss the exact same amount of starts. Just one was dropping something on your toe and the other is an arm issue. I also have a fairly significant difference in projections with Musgrove only having about a 25% strikeout rate and a 3-3 ERA. Um, I have Radon probably ahead of Musgrove. Um, I do have Musgrove a little bit ahead in innings, maybe 10-15 more innings. It's a little bit less of an injury. Uh, but with the difference in talent, I mean, Radon is the only guy um, I have with a sub-3 ERA uh, underneath uh justin verlander at nine (laughs) so uh if you did something where maybe you got uh brandon woodruff or sandy alcantara early and you felt like i've got bulk and i'm doing good and then you skip out on the early number twos you could maybe take uh radon as a late number two and maybe snell too uh as a late number two uh and 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 maybe get some really tasty 
you know, stats out of that. But, um, you know, it could end up being, what, like 450, not 450, that would be too much. Uh, it could be like 350 innings in the end of sub-3 ERA if you paired like Sandy Alcantara with Carlos Rodon. Yeah, your model then beats any other projections that are out there. They're playing it safe, very, very safe, though, because Rodon is at a sub-2-9 ERA two straight years. And every projection system has him over three. Uh, ATC has got him at three sixteen as an aggregate. Well, that was that was something that happened when we used stuff in like location plus to power our projections. We had a larger spread in BABIP, and uh, we had some higher end uh, projected strikeout rates than most of the models. So, Rodon is a stuffist. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. He is definitely a stuffist, too, and uh, we're going to be talking about this here in just a little bit, some stuff that you guys can now actually see, and interestingly enough, he had the 16th best stuff uh, Carlos Rodon does, according to your model, and I believe that's the same with the fastball was also 16th, so big fastball and the stuff plus, and overall stuff plus 16th. Uh, and there's a couple of really fun names. A little bit Strider S too. Just had the column this week about whether or not Strider can can make it work with two pitches. And um, you know, Rodon is largely a two pitch guy. And uh, you know, it's I think it's a little bit more common with these engineered pitches where you're like, well, what if he has a you know top twenty fastball and a top twenty slider? Why should he throw a suboptimal changeup that he can't really locate or think- that curveball? I think the positive, though, coming out of this just is like that you're not saying, hey, I'm done. Like this this forearm injury isn't something that has taken him off the board. Because I know some people will be like, all right, cool, I'm going to rank him here. But he's not really draftable in my eyes. You're still comfortable because I mean, you had to assume pretty- almost that Rodon would have an injury this year. So now you have any earlier. Uh, like it's the same thing with Tyler Glass now. I'm not totally all out because, you know, what I didn't, wasn't putting – you know, Tyler Glass now down for 200 innings. <laughs> you know? And even with the oblique, he could he could still put up the sort of 130 to 150 that I, you know, that I thought he could. So, um, you know, I, th- this is interesting, though, also from a team standpoint. The New York Yankees just got hit by a whirlwind of injuries. I mean, uh, you know, with Frankie Montas, maybe not out for the full season, but probably. And, you know, with that sort of stuff coming, even if he comes back, maybe in a, in a relief stance, well, that's... That was a guy you had slotted in for starting pitcher innings. Now you're losing Radon for the, the beginning of the season. That means Clark Schmidt and Domingo Herman make this rotation. In one case, uh, I'm happy about that. Clark Schmidt is a guy that I'm excited about, and uh, I think he's draftable in almost every league. Uh, really? Yeah, because he's got upside. If it's the kind of league where hmm, there are certain leagues where like you you can't make free agent moves or you you make very infrequent free agent moves, um, that makes it a little bit harder because I'm not sure I'm not sure how long he'll be in the rotation. <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, he could be the first guy out when Rodon comes back. But uh, most leagues to start the year to have a young guy who I think has a lot of upside, a good pitch mix. He's now throwing a cutter he wasn't throwing before. Now he's kind of cutter, sinker, sweeper. It's this new, new type of pitcher that's out there. Uh, and he's got good velo, uh, and he's got actually a decent four seam. So it's a, it's a pretty good package. He has good command. Uh, I think he could have a mid-three ZRA with a good strikeout rate. And it's, okay, yeah, sign me up for that, you know. And, you know, yes, I don't know about the innings all year. So if it's like you have to have innings all year, then maybe take Kyle Gibson and get your – you know, dang innings all year, you know, but you know, in terms of like starting the season, yeah, Clark Schmidt is a, I don't know where, where am I going to put him? 
Yeah, I'm very curious about that. Saying he's a draftable in like all formats, we're gonna just we're gonna go as low as twelve team. I mean, is that gonna well, give him? Well, our speed? model spits out a, a three six ERA with a twenty six percent strikeout rate in one hundred and twenty one innings. I wonder if you know you should be pushing that innings number now, right? Let's push it to one hundred and thirty five innings or something, because he was already gonna get seventy five to one hundred just as a normal six starter, and now you got these injuries. So I'm pushing it to. 135 innings, which means uh, Aaron Savali, I've only got down for 130 innings. He's got a 389 projected ERA, 23% strikeout rate. He's at 70, so above 70. Uh, Garrett Whitlock, I've got for 130 innings, 357 ERA. Uh, yeah, Garrett Whitlock. Okay, that's 60, range. 65-66. That's where okay. he's sitting right now before I officially uh, put in my but, you know, Freddie Peralta, I only have down for 130 innings and a 33-4 ERA, and he's at 51. So if you want to range, I would say low 50s to mid 60s. That's a pretty good sell. That's a pretty good sell, and I think isn't I that, Isn't that most leagues? That. It seems yeah. like most leagues. Uh, no, that's 100% most leagues if you're yeah. getting that. That's a back-end rotation guy. Last year, eight pitchers had 200 innings pitched. How many do you think are going to hit that this year? <laughs> I think I made a bold prediction last year that nobody would, so eight was uh, too much for me. But <laughs> I keep thinking that they will have a year where there's no 200s. One thing is that bold prediction was sort of born out of a couple of the craziest years we've ever had as a human race, maybe. You know, yeah, just and like, we're out of that. That's why I asked because we're kind of three years out of that space right now. Eight, so I think we'll, you know, I think we'll at least have five this year. The the pitch clock is an interesting thing, though. It's a little bit more of this chaos that we keep putting on ourselves. So. That's fatigue. That's injury. That's you know what I mean. Like that could lead to a lot of guys having to take a two week blow at least to just be like, you know, turn the clock off for two weeks, please. I need to, I need to rest. <laughs> well, that, that's why I answered the question because it's like if uh, if we're going to go under this number, I am actually very worried about the pitch clock causing injuries and the the just the like these guys are trying to do it in practices and spring training on the backfields and stuff, but this is not norm of what they do in any of their normal sessions. So just changing that overall over time in the season, I'm worried it's going to cause more. If we it might believe, be the year to like bet on young pitchers who've been used to doing, been it doing this. Yeah, exactly. But that's like if we're going to be under significantly, you know, should we be valuing guys at 130 and 140 innings just a tad bit more? Because that might be closer to the baseline than it would be if we were like if you were like we're going to have 12 pitchers now that we're out of COVID and now that you know guys are have a couple of years back under their belts, we can get back over 200. If that's not the case, maybe 140 is a much better number. Kind of make me go back to like that Grayson Rodriguez thing we talked about, or people trying to say, yeah, hey, Spencer Strider, if he only gets 150, like those guys should all maybe boost yeah. that just a tiny bit it's, it's relevant to the DeGrom discussion you know thank you, know, thank you. Thank like, you. if DeGrom gets to 140 he's probably the best pitcher in baseball by war at least and probably by fantasy values so you know yeah, especially if, one, if there's only five yeah if we've only got five guys at 200 and a lot of guys are sitting in the 170s like 140 is not crazy crazy off and that's you might out K most of those guys still I, I think you know, I mean 140 innings at Jacob DeGrom and 200 innings at Sandy Alcantara who has more yeah, strikeouts who's gonna have more strikeouts I think DeGrom might so uh, but the Yankees in general just got hit so hard I mean Harrison Bader's hurt yeah. too um, so you know the the I would love to like have like a oh Clark Schmidt you know, on the pitching side, I'm like, Clark Schmidt, that's who I want. I want him more than Domingo Ramon. I'm into Clark Schmidt. That's an easy call. But with Bader being out, I don't have an easy call because I'd love to be able to say Anthony Volpe's making this team now. But I don't yeah, know why I would say position. that. The only reason I would say Anthony Volpe's making this team now is that Oswaldo Cabrera has to make – Oswaldo Cabrera is making the team. He probably was, but now he has to because he can play the outfield, right? And so I guess you have Hicks going over to centers more. And your regular starting lineup with Bader out would be Hicks in center, Cabrera in left, uh, Judge and Stanton kind of doing right field and DH. I think that still leaves room for Volpe, but I don't know who the backup outfielder is that Volpe is kind of pushing. Or, or, or and this is really important, if you see Volpe or Oswaldo Peraza with an outfielder's glove on in the next week, that's really relevant. Because changes that changes how much like how likely they are to make the team. Because I'm I'm looking at this and I'm like, who's the backup outfielder now? 
if it's Esteban Florial, like I don't, I'm not interested. You know what I mean? Um, and I don't really see maybe Rafael Ortega, you know, makes his team. I'm not that interested in him either, but I'm really interested if Volpe starts playing in the outfield. I, I want to be, I'm a very big Anthony Volpe guy. And I didn't care about the struggles as much. He struggled for two months. He really came back in spring. He's been showing off the power. It's really good speed. Defense might be like a notch behind Oswald um, Peraza, who looks like he is locked to make this team. If the word came out, and I don't know why they would do this, but this is what you'd be listening for. If somehow they're like, hey, we wanted to play Stanton a little bit more in left field, uh, left field and get him off the DH, that would perk my ears up because then you could put Gleyber Torres over at second base and you could have Peraza and Volpe play the infield. And then you'd have Cabrera. Donaldson, you maybe have Donaldson DH more. Yeah, you could, yeah, exactly. You could do something or like Lemayhew, that. LeMahieu and Donaldson play some DH. Those would kind of perk my ears up a little bit. I know Peter Gammons just said like yesterday he put his stamp, which someone must have told him, uh, got a stamp of like he thinks Volpe was the one. The only difference is they have to make a move off the 40-man. They don't have to do that with Peraza. They do have to make a move off with uh, Volpe. But we can't discount the value of the pitch. You know, have you talked to any team or any team personnel about how they actually value players breaking camp and vying for that pick? Have you talked to any teams about that? Because I know we all just presume. I'm just curious if teams actually are sitting back being like, we need to play out for this extra first-round pick. No, I have a – I have. that's not – I don't think not from what I'm considered. I have talked to some people about how they make their their decisions and how difficult it is. Um, and generally, they're just frustrated that you know it has to be a small sample, and they're they're trying to make this you know really big decision for you know. Two, and it's usually like two or three guys, right? You know, there's a, the two or three bubble guys, but there's this huge decision for two or three bubble guys, and it might matter what they do in two or three weeks. You know, and that's yeah. just that's just poor timing and i don't know how to do it any different i mean it's just how it works you have to set your roster at the end of spring and you actually give them a fair amount of time with five to six weeks but sometimes it ends up just being the end of camp where like oh now that vader's hurt we have to make a decision next two or three weeks if ortega goes nuts maybe he just makes the roster because there has to be a roster move i think for him too um yeah i think uh, you know what yeah because he's an nri he's an nri so you know they're they're like staring at a roster move no matter what and you know if Volpe had you know played more outfield then I would say he's making this team I do think no matter what it's slightly more likely that Anthony Volpe makes this team now okay that's a, that's an extra little plus here uh, Yankees have been hit the Astros have also been dealing with stuff uh, Astros general manager Dana Brown said Wednesday that Jordan Alvarez was pain free and going to resume swinging a bat. Uh, today's we're recording this or Saturday, which is great news. You know, I in multiple drafts, it was the industry stuff. It was TGFBI and my tout draft and hold. I happened to be right in that window where Alvarez was hurt and everyone was terrified. And I happened to also have a back end pick. TGFBI had the 15th pick and he kept falling and I took him in both spots. Do you think that was a window where someone like myself was able to take advantage and got that bonus where we would never get Alvarez or are you still concerned overall about you know this injury that he's had, even though he's going to be coming back this weekend? Uh, you know, I had some pushback on Twitter where I've talked about his knees, and, and someone said he had the knee surgery. He's fine. Even if he's fine in the short term, any surgery has long-term implications. You know, there was uh, some research that Michael Salfino was was putting out on Twitter about how uh, this, and I know Alvarez wasn't an ACL, but like for example. Guys who come back from ACLs in football, generally, if they were above average, they become average. If they were elite, they become above average. Like you drop a tier uh, based on this, on these sort of implications of uh, of uh, the implications of uh, that surgery. There's long term implications. You know, the 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 site in which you were you had surgery is not as strong as it was before. It's cleaner than it was in the short term before, but like. A place where there was no surgery is, is going to be better off. You know what I mean? Like, uh, in this case, we don't have surgery. It's a hand thing. In this case, we don't even know what it was. God. It's like the right. it's like the NHL things. You know, he's out tonight with an upper torso injury. 
That's a pretty baseball move, though. All right, so then the question is, like, are you comfortable drafting Alvarez? In this general area. <laughs> yeah, tell me no. where it hurts. Just yeah, that. somewhere over but there. But, like, are you comfortable drafting him now with this news, or is he still... Uh, he was he never off my time? list. He was never off my list. Even the only, the only sort of caveats I ever had with him is he doesn't steal bases, and I'm not sure I'm comfortable putting him down for, like, 660 plate appearances. But he does so much in the play appearances he does have that, you know, and it's not, we're not, I don't think we're in a Stanton, you know, mid-career Stanton situation yet. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting him there. And he's, he's ready to swing away and he's ready for, he's going to be ready for the opening day because you only need about two to three weeks as a hitter. So he's, he's fine. He's good. I never really had him off my list. I don't know if I move him much above. Like, what, who, would you, who, who would you rather, Mookie Betts or uh, Alvarez? Uh, Mookie Betts, hands down. I had Mookie, I have Mookie Betts. I'm probably a little bit higher than most on Mookie but Betts. But that's, like that's a decision people make around yeah. Alvarez. Well, you know what I think also changed here? So from March 1st on in those draft champions, I still have this up, he was ADP 15. That is where he fell down to where – well, prior to that, he was, you know, somewhere, I think, actually, I have it right here. He was 10. He was 10 before that. So he moved down five spots, which is significant in the first round. That's a third of the first round in 15 teams. I would right rather have him than Corbin Burns, I think. I agree. I agree. Now, here's one that happened, though, was Vladimir Guerrero also gets hurt. He's out of the WBC because of this knee injury. He just started working out yesterday. There's another guy. So you can't justify Vlad over him right now. They're both dealing with something. I thought I thought the inadvertent. They both fall too much, you know. And by projections, a lot they're both like you know top five type players. But well, Vlad, all like well, we need steals for my first round pick. I can't take that guy. Well, Vlad's projections have been absurd. But like the inadvertent thing that happened was Freddie Freeman has just kind of jumped. It seems like he's the guy that's jumped over. Freddie was going. 14 prior to all this and he's moved up to 12 which is one spot lower than vlad but higher than alvarez and he steals bases and he's going to benefit from the shift so freddie vlad alvarez how do you order that i've i've got i've got vlad ahead knee injuries but not I might, it might be vlad uh freddie alvarez okay all right well i mean vlad did get out there that's the thing that you want he was out working on the field working first base drills i believe yesterday in camp so that's yeah, really I think he'll be time. ready for opening day too, and and Freddie steals bases, so you know that's kind of fun. And then you know of the three, I think Freddie might have the best batting average. Your Jordan will have the best uh, home run total, and Vlad might have the best combination of stolen bases, home runs, and batting average. Because yes. Vladdy steals bases, you can get a couple in there. I mean, Freeman's going to probably he's going to double up both Vlad and Alvarez combined. Maybe. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, Yesterday yesterday in camp, uh, when Freddie Freeman was in the cage, he was wearing an all-red Canada track suit while he was hitting. And uh, this incredible moment was when they got done, they got on a golf cart, 
Larry Walker in the same matching red Canada tracksuit gets in the driver's seat. Freddie sits next to him. And then Tyler O'Neill, who was showing off the guns with just a, the, the, probably a small, um, whatever. Is he you wearing know, like, one of those belly shirts? Can you, have you seen those belly shirts he wears? It's he wearing a belly a, shirt. It was the tightest shirt you've ever seen in Is your life. Is there any other player in baseball who wears a belly shirt? Um, the only other I mean, athlete I can think of is Ezekiel Elliott, who has the belly yeah, Well, okay, so those are some those are some nice stomachs there. I guess, the yeah. two of them. <laughs> but the visual of the two red Canada tracksuits in the golf cart with Tyler O'Neill holding on to the back and looking at everybody with the shirt out, like it was just it was a wild uh, it was a wild thing to see. It was like welcome to the WBC. Um, all right, one other big injury, and then we'll blow through the other little quick ones, and then I want to talk about um, I want to talk about the release of stuff plus on Fangraphs is Andrew Painter. You want to talk about, I gave you a we little... Actually, I don't know if this is this is breaking news or, or if this is the news oh. you're referring to, but I might have to... Do, 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 do. Uh, we have a... Is this the one you're referring to? Top Phillies prospect, Andrew Painter. It's from Jeff.ETTH. Oh, Andrew Painter wow. has a tear in his UCL. Is I, that what you're looking at? I know. Uh, you know, I was not going to look. I was going to talk about the mystery, but and now we have some definitive. He has a tear in his UCL. The team announces he will sit out for a month and then start a light throwing program to see if he can pitch through it. Nah, wow, that's, that's Jeff horrible news. That's, that's Jeff and I almost, I'd almost rather they shut him down and had the surgery because uh, although if he had the surgery, he would miss all this year. And, and probably have maybe next start year. next year. And so I think even with a month, you can you still have enough leeway. Well, if with a month he would miss all of this year, and then just miss the first like month or so of spring training next year. So it might be okay to wait a month and see if he can pitch through it. There have been guys who pitched through it. Well, Kenta Maeda pitched through it. He got surgery in the end. Masahiro Tanako pitched. Masahiro Tanako threw, pitched through it. He did not get the surgery. But didn't Radon have a, like a UCL issue that he didn't get surgery for? Or was that a different arm? Mm, that might be true. Then there were also all the angels uh, that tried to pitch through it, and most of them got surgery in the end. So this was scary because Andrew Painter, you know, probably arguably the top pitching prospect in baseball, him or Christian Rodriguez. Phillies were talking about him breaking camp, not even at 20 years old. He has this arm injury. We don't get any information. They sit back. I saw last night that the word was they're waiting for a second opinion. And that's where I got really worried about that. Second opinion usually means bad. They, they just, it, I don't recall the last time a second opinion came back and they're like, no, bud, you're good. You know, let's, let's give pounds. Like, no, it's always bad news. And I didn't even see this because this, this actually must seems like they're often looking started. for better news. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Someone to tell us, but yeah, Jeff Passon reported a tear in his UCL. So, I mean, how do you approach that? Do you think, a couple of players have, I guess, come back from this. Do you think this is the approach with a young pitcher like this, that, and he can recover? Is that Jeff Passan's handle now? Yeah, he did. That's a, it's a, it's a joke because of it's a joke because he got hacked and they were trying to sell Ethereum through his through his account. Yeah, yeah, it it must be. yeah, yeah. I think it's a happy anniversary. I think one year today he got hacked because it's Jeff ETH, okay, uh, but nice. it is Jeff, uh, Jeff Passan's <laughs> handle, which is funny. That's all him. I'm, I'm glad I just reported him as Jeff ETH. I know when you said that, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's Passan. I actually saw him at Rangers camp last week. He has phenomenal hair in person. I will uh, tell everybody yeah. that. Uh, so, like, you see a UCL tear. What type of fear, like, do you actually think you were giving like, okay, you know, these guys have recovered, but do you think, do you want any part of that right now? Not even a redraft. It's more of like a bigger dynasty. This is now a keeper dynasty question. Um, I think the only situation where I want him is if I'm in a rebuilding situation and now he's cheaper to get. And also this is, I don't usually trade for pitchers anyway, even if I'm rebuilding, that's usually a capper situation where I try to build my lineup, you know, as I'm rebuilding and then start trading for pitching when I'm like, you know, there. So I wouldn't normally trade for pitching prospect anyway, but in this case, it might be the price drive so low that you get him for, I don't know who would you like a Yandy Diaz, somebody like if it's deep enough league, right? Where you're just like, here, here's a guy that can help you this year. You know, OBP, you know, 20 team league. I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going too low. Yeah. What, what's the acronym? Like tin stamp or whatever. It's like, there's no so, such yeah, thing. There is no such thing as a pitching prospect. This like just, what, what's the type of a veteran bat that you would trade for painter right now? Um, it costs more than a Yandy. What if it was, Oh, it'll cost way more than in a dynasty keeper league. Andrew Payne. Uh, here's the funny thing. Even if he's like heading towards uh, surgery, 
Here's the funny thing. He's not going to have much of a discount at all in Dynasty Keeper. It's not. What will happen is he's got to be owned by the, the team that is in a win-now mode. If you were to try to go acquire Andrew Painter, it, you're just not going to get the big discount. The argument I always have with prospects, too, when prospects get hurt in their prospect land, it doesn't really change a whole bunch. This is a little different because if he broke camp and he had a full season, that's kind of gone. But let's just say Andrew Painter didn't. How much does this set him back? Maybe a year? In a prospect world, that's not the... People, you can kind of stomach some of that. So I think he went from untouchable to he's acquirable. But like, how about like, how about a Jake McCarthy? I, the, you're the craziest person I know. I was literally going to say that name. That is the name <laughs> I was going to throw out to you. know, I swear to God, I was going to say that name. <laughs> McCarthy was the one that I think that might be interesting if a win now team had maybe a throw a little uh, Jake McCarthy their way. I think that could work. Or Especially because there's, this, the, there's the steals aspect. I mean, uh, like Rowdy Telez is around the same number, around the same, you know, like established, younger-ish. If you, were, if you were not a win now team, um, would you move um, Logan Gilbert? I was going to say Kershaw, but I feel like that would be an instant yes. Would you move like a Logan Gilbert for an Andrew Painter? No, man. The too humble too if, much? What if Andrew Painter is Logan Gilbert? Uh, that could happen. All right. Would you move um, – these are really tough. Joe Ryan? I feel like Joe Ryan is a line. Mm, that's interesting. Joe Ryan has added a sweeper and could break out this year. Right now, he's kind of a one-pitch pitcher, the fastball. Uh, he doesn't have any of the velo that Painter does. Painter has much more upside. I think even with a sweeper, Ryan is kind of like a, a number two, number three. Now you're getting closer. Okay, last one. Lucas Giolito. Yeah, especially if I'm not winning now. Are you, you buying into the, the changes for him? Like the weight loss and the change in his uh, in the way he's throwing his arm angle? Uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's worked an arm angle change before to great success, but... Um, those things make me really nervous when you start talking about changing your body as a pitcher uh, and changing your arm angle. Now I start thinking, well, maybe it works for you, but I also think your injury risk is way higher. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's huge news. Uh, that's breaking for us. I did not see that as we started up from Jeff.eth. <laughs> Happy anniversary, Jeff. Uh, the other two quick, or actually the other last one was the Marlins uh, picked up Yuli Gurriel. So Yuli Gurriel now with the Marlins first base, that is going to affect, I'm guessing, Garrett Cooper. It looks like that would be an effect to, to his value because DH is set to be Jorge Soler. If Soler was pushed to the outfield, this really is going to kill my Brian De La Cruz, who I have in the uh, athletic draft guide as one of the sleepers I love. He's Teoscar light to me with those big hard hit numbers. So we're going to have to watch how it goes. But Yuli Gurriel jumps in and kind of becomes an intriguing NL only first baseman, don't you think, you know? Yeah, it's interesting that Cooper is projected to be, you know, 15% better than league average with his bat and uh, is a solid player. And they're projecting him for more plate appearances he's ever had. And I wonder how much of what he's done has been affected by uh, his splits. So I'm checking that right now before I say something wrong because he's a righty. Uh, he's been better against righties. Of course he has a reverse split, but you wouldn't project a reverse split. Um, and Guriel is also a righty. Yeah, and I'll also point out, like, roster resource, maybe they haven't updated, but boy, do they update quick. They don't have Guriel on that starting lineup. They still have Garrett Cooper starting as his uh, first baseman, hitting fourth. So just with throwing so, that out there. Let's build a bench. Build a bench. If you're building a bench, you got to have a backup shortstop. That is maybe Jose Iglesias, who just signed with the team. He did just sign a deal, yep. And John Birdie would kind of probably fill the other spots. I mean, Glacius can play the middle. Birdie could maybe play there, but also plays your backup outfield. Birdie seems like he's making the team. So you got Birdie and Glacius. You got Nick Fortes as backup catcher. That's three of your four spots. And then what you're leaving on the table is Jesus Sanchez, who they have Jesus Sanchez or Brian De La Cruz. They have Brian De La Cruz starting. Sanchez is on the bench. Here is the caveat, though. Sanchez is a lefty, and Bertie, uh, Iglesias, and Fortes are all righties. And Gurriel and Cooper are righties. 
So I and I have Sanchez as the breakout candidate of all of these names. You know what I mean? So uh, with the fact that Gurriel and Cooper are both righties, I kind of think it's Gurriel or Cooper. We'll have to see that. So I, I still like uh, Cooper is one of my favorite, like later drafted first baseman. Uh, but Yuli Gurriel does make a ton of contact. I like the idea that this team is going to be running a lot in front of him. But he hasn't even been slotted in here yet. Maybe they just haven't made the moves. But Yuli Gurriel, one of those late spring signings. Uh, plenty of other news going out. WBC is going to push a lot of information. Hopefully not have any injuries or anything hopefully like that. Hopefully not all injuries, yeah. <laughs> That's what we're like. It's been fun to watch. Uh, I watched Yu Chang tie it up for Taipei today. He was pumped and the stadium was rocking. And, and you know, I'm not a jersey guy. I don't think I have a single jersey. But that Newt Bar Japan jersey. Hmm. Mm, sexy. You got, you got, we got to pick it up. It's a tight jersey. Plus, the name is awesome. Two O's and two A's, and like the combination of that name with that with that nationality, it's just a it's just hilarious and funny and great. And then it, he's such a great personality that it just all ties it together. That's the, one of the first jerseys. I'm like, maybe I want that one. And he's like, and he's my my literal like biggest breakout guy, biggest drafted player this year. I'm tied with him. Athletic, can we get some new bar jerseys over to Eno and I, please? Can we please do that? I did. Uh, I did finally get him in TGFBI. I was pretty excited about that. I needed I needed speed. I, needed, I jumped him off his ADP like 30 or 40 points, maybe, maybe 30 points and felt good about it afterwards everywhere i can i've been citing i've been citing that great interview you did by just also to plug go back and watch i was watching it just the other day i rewatched uh, listening to you and uh, new bar right on the youtube channel uh just like i like seeing him react to things you said it's a great interview where he talks about you know what he did with driveline work last year and how it's improved and what he's worked on this year it's just a killer interview that you guys should make sure to go check out um the last little bit here you know i wanted to talk about this Stuff Plus has officially been released on fan graphs. And, you know, you've talked a whole lot about it. People can go and check it out. And uh, I got to tell you, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal in that, you know, we can look at not just the stuff, the location, the pitch plus, but there is like fastball plus. We can go and take a look at it. So talk to me about the release on that and how people should be staring at it and approaching it and uh, utilizing it. Yeah, um, you know, there's a really good glossary uh, piece over at Fangraphs, too, that'll help you understand some of the spread because, uh, you know, Stuff Plus and Location Plus and Pitching Plus, they center at, at 100 per pitch. And so then when you start summing it up by pitcher, uh, they have different spreads. So, for example, one standard deviation of Stuff Plus is 12, uh, whereas one standard deviation of Location Plus is three points. And so we have all that described in the glossary and you can kind of see that, but, um, you know, it's fun. Like right now I have uh, over at Fangraphs, I've got a minimum 20 pitches, um, and I'm looking at fastball stuff plus, and, um, I'm doing it for starters. And, uh, one thing that really pops out for me is Dustin May has the fifth best four seam fastball stuff plus, um, you know, it came in 30 innings. That's enough of a sample to actually just say he had a really good four seam fastball last year. Uh, that's part of, of why I'm picking him as a breakout player. But you can also, you know, temper your expectations sometimes because you see, for example, Corbin Burns has the 12th best fastball stuff plus. Well, we know he didn't work when he, he threw that fastball. And look at his location plus, 79. It is, like, easily the worst. And then you look at his sample, 0.2 percentage thrown. So, like, you know, you have to kind of think about the, the sample of everything, um, but uh, and you have to sometimes look at the location because if it's a really bad location, Dylan Sees, for example, sixth best staff, stuff plus, ninety four location plus. That's uh, that's really bad. Or you say Kikuchi, everyone's uh, you know having him as a breakout pitcher this uh, this spring because he does look pretty good. He's the velo is there. He has a one hundred eight four seam fastball stuff plus. He has a ninety one location uh, on that pitch, and it it's pushed the pitching plus on the pitch below average. And I'm not sure that he's as much of a breakout pick as people are saying. Because when I watch him, I just see a guy who has no command of the four seam. And when you have no command of the four seam, that puts so much pressure on your command on your on your secondaries. And if you want to just see, you know, what his how, how his command of his secondaries is, now you can kind of do it in a sortable way. Uh, you know, another guy who's a really big fastball, no command of is Ryan Pepio. He's twenty seventh in four seam fastball stuff plus and has a ninety two location plus. Um, hmm. if you were worried about Roenzi Contreras' command 
106 stuff plus on the on the fastball, 97 location plus. So, um, you know, there are some custom date ranges here. I haven't played with them. Let me see if I can do a custom date range on the pitch modeling stuff. Because if you can, that's really fun. So now yeah, I'm looking you, you at... You could do like a back half of the year, do like the final like two months or something like that. Oh, wait. I still have the minimum IP. Let me see if I don't do minimum IP. Doesn't look like it's working yet. Um, there's going to be, uh, you know, this is uh, just uh, getting it up on the site right now. Um, you know, if people do want custom reports, I'm still going to be writing about this at Fangraphs. I can do some custom stuff. Uh, we'll have some spring training stuff reports that come out that won't necessarily be on Fangraphs. So there's be some, there'll still be a lot of value um, to, you know, this the extra reporting I can do on top of it, the extra fun I can have on top of it. But just having, this is something I've wanted for everybody um, to have the ability to just go out there and uh, sort this stuff for themselves and, and have fun with it. The Google Doc uh, really was something that upset me. <laughs> uh, understandably so, as it always does. You know, uh, I want to ask you about one other guy real quick, and then there's a, another part of this modeling that you and I were talking about off air. But, you know, someone that just stands out to me, he's been a draft target of mine, and and hopefully I'm looking at the same stuff you are because I'm under just Stuff Plus, and then I sorted by Stuff Plus and on the Stuff Plus Fastball as well, is Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton's just a big standout guy where, as far as what I'm looking at, he had under Stuff Plus the 15th best overall, and on Fastball it was 16 with a 116, um, which just stands out uh, just overall Stuff Plus and Fastball Stuff Plus. He's just one of those just names who's littered between Christian Javier and Shane McClanahan and Hugh Darvish and Corbin Burns, and it's like in the middle there is Charlie Morton with that post 180p is just just such a fun target yeah why am i not getting that what do you what are your settings right now uh i am on leaderboards uh, pitching yeah, yeah. and starters i had my numbers were a little different than what you were saying so and your then minimum I, ip is qualified no 20 i also did your 20 qualified uh minimum innings pitch i followed you and you're so sorting then, by stuff plus fastball oh are you in the in the first part Fastball plus, um, and then I clicked on stuff plus on the on the meter down there. So, stuff plus fastball. Well, you know, there's going to be some kinks. I'm not seeing Morton. That's uh, strange. Yeah, like when you just go straight into there, and if you're just on standard stuff plus, and then you sort by stuff plus, uh, Charlie Morton, 15 with a 116 stuff plus. I mean, I do uh, believe in that. I do believe in that. The overall stuff plus, if you just sort by stuff plus, like, come on, Martin, where are you? There you are, 15th. Yeah, I do yeah. see him there. Um, and he's, 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 he's literally between Javier and Raton. Yeah, but uh, if I, well, the way I look at it, when I look across, I see a 93 stuff plus on the fastball. It's a 151 stuff plus curveball. So Charlie Morton, to me, is in that sort of Adam Wainwright territory where he's got that elite breaking ball, and he's still got it, and that's a decent way to age, as we've seen from Wainwright. Now, as long as he's 93, 94, uh, I think Morton can be you know, a really good pick. I'm not sure about Adam Wainwright. He's pumping 86s right now, and I'm a little bit worried that that's, uh, that's too slow. Man, this is a fun tool, by the way. I'm looking here <laughs> like... One of, okay, so th this will actually set up here. Zach Allen jumps out to me. 15th stuff plus, uh, or 16th stuff plus fastball at 113. He has a 128 on, I believe this is the, a sinker. Um, yeah, look but, at that. He's, he has, he has po positive stuff plus on all of his pitches, and the change is 99th. I did want to that say that. That is what I was going to. I was taking you to the changeup because you were saying that there's some modeling stuff with the changeup specifically, and that's the only thing that he doesn't just blow our brains out here of like, crazy numbers. You know, changeups are really hard to model. Harry Pavlidis did a really good job of sort of pointing out that you can either have a straight change where the velo differential is big, or you can have uh, a power change where the velo differential is small and the movement differential is big. Um, and if you ever want to read some really cool research, he has what makes a changeup good on baseball prospectus. That's part of my journey into into all of this. Um, but hopefully that's, you know, in our model. We've also been able to add seam-shifted wake to get a sense of, like, when do the seams make the changeup better? Um, and I think Logan Webb, who's third in in, in starter stuff plus uh, on the changeup, I think that's a seam-shifted wake pitch. 
Um, you know, you've got Corbin Burns, but uh, it's a really interesting list because you also have uh, players where you're like, I don't know if I believe this. So Adrian Martinez uh, from Oakland has the second best changeup stuff yeah. plus. Chris Flexen is fourth. Bo Brisky from the Tigers is eighth. Um, it's just a, a slightly weird list where you're like not 100% sure. But also Tyler Wells is 18th and Ross Stripling is first. And, you know, there are a lot of uh, changeups on here where you're like, yes, yes, that is a very good changeup. So um, I would just say that if you like a player like Zach Gallen and the changeup results are there and our model sets it's a below average changeup, maybe trust the results a little bit more. Yeah. Or if a guy comes up like a Brian Bayo, um, you know, and, uh, and you're wondering, you know, another nice thing about the Fangraphs thing is, is you can actually just do a custom player list where you just put the player name in and then you can just see all his numbers across the board. Um, and this says, you know, 96 on the fastball, 115 on the slider, 76 stuff plus on the changeup, except his changeup had am- amazing results. And right, wasn't he as a prospect coming up? Wasn't that the changeup? It was Brian Bayo's changeup, right? Yeah. So I would say take that with a grain of salt. If you like Brian Bayo, you still like Brian Bayo. That's fine. And then you can kind of, if you wanted to kind of do your own little model where you took changeup stuff plus out and saw who was good without that, you know, you could do that now because you can download uh, things off of, of off of fan graphs. And if you're looking up one player, this is going to update in the morning. If you're going to look up one player, uh, you no longer have to bug me on Twitter. <laughs> you just go over to fan graphs and, and see, uh, see who, you know, if there's a debut, you do have to wait till the next day because because of how the data works. But, uh, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of, like the day after Ricky Tiedemann's debut, you're going to have a lot of Fangraphs traffic on the Stuff Plus page, I think. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And I think this Stuff Plus plus curve jumps out to me because Dustin May breaks the system with an over 200. And um, <laughs> in the top 10 with the Stuff Plus, I'm assuming this is the curve, uh, not a cutter. Um, and I think this this really fits. Like, do do this list, because then you're like, yep, those are the best curveballs in the game. Well, and check this out. This is what I like. In the top 10 of the best curveballs, there are only four that have an over 100 changeup. That's Dustin May, Charlie Morton, who had the fourth best curve. And, With that and, splitter. And the second best changeup of this group, Sandy Alcantara and Julio Urias. So, again, if you start pairing groups together when you're looking at this type of stuff, it really makes, again, Morton kind of stand out. And Dustin May, that's like wild numbers, why we get excited about him. With a 121 stuff plus on the fastball as well, he might be the most interesting of all those players. It's really cool. Everyone should go check it out. Go to fan graphs and uh, just have some fun and stop tweeting at you know just no no always tweet at me it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, i will have i will have some goodies that won't be on on fangrass but like uh like spring training stuff plus minor league stuff plus um you know maybe some 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 time splits and stuff like that we did find that for example the last 400 pitches of stuff plus can be more predictive sometimes than the full than the full year stuff plus so um you'll still get pieces from me on on the athletic that about like you know leaders in the last month you know spring surgers that sort of stuff like i'm definitely going to have a spring stuff plus surgers piece coming out soon that's that's on the board well make sure you guys go and uh, sign up today theathletic.com slash rates and barrels two bucks a month it's literally the best deal with incredible stuff on there you can get the draft kit for your drafts over the next couple days my dynasty ranks are up there and tons more you know, we did it. Uh, we The internet held up at the stadium. We're literally at the trough, and it's the best background ever. Like, uh, can, you, baseball. can you see who's back there? Can you see a player or anything like that? I can't. Like, who's back? I can give people a little. Oh, we, we're doing BP. Look at this. Oh, yeah, so this, this is Braves view. BP we're looking at. Okay. Is Acuna down there? Austin Riley? That's awesome. I think this is uh, Riley. Oh, is this Riley? No, no, no. You know what? The numbers numbers too high. <laughs> uh, let's say let's pretend. Let's pretend it's Austin Riley. Who's, no, actually, who's seventeen? Um, we're gonna say Austin Riley. We're gonna. <laughs> it's cool. Uh, this is a cool thing. So check out the YouTube. Make sure you guys subscribe to it as well. You know, literally look at, walked look away also, from the like for a second. If you can see, like, like how much is going on? You know, like they're doing stuff in the outfield. This is yeah. a live infield practice off of the BP. They've you know. got the uh, they've got the um, the barriers at first, second, and third, so players can sit back there. Uh, they can talk to coaches. There's guys at short. There's so guys hitting in bungos in between the, the the BP pitches. You know something I've been seeing. I don't see them have out here, but I've seen I've 
seen them have a lot of pitch clocks come out here, especially when they're doing live VP set yeah. or live uh, pitching sessions. This is just normal VP. So uh, yeah, the pitch cool. clock is definitely part of the training environment now. They're definitely everywhere I'm going. Like they've, you know, I'm I'm seeing like you know pitching coaches lugging the big LED pitch clock that they took out to the live. You know what's so funny? Yeah. Last thing, uh, Brad Hand threw a session the other day over at uh, Salt River, and it was Mike Mustakis's like first time, and he came out. I got to, I videoed it, and right before, dude comes out, he rolls the big Trackman piece, and another dude rolls out with this giant LED light, and they went up, they 15, set it up, they 14. set, yeah, they set the Trackman, the clock, and then uh, Mike Mustakis proceeded to beat around Brad Hand for a little bit in his practice of trying to make the Rockies <laughs> roster. So that, that is spring Where training. Is and like, he just signed with the Rockies, and that was two days ago. He um, was, I think, it was a minor league deal, and he was very happy about it because he was getting some hits. All team officials were watching him because. They wanted to have some competition uh, competition against Nolan Jones, and he might be a Rockies third baseman if all goes well. Mike Moustakis there, not too shabby, and he Wait, was hitting around. He might be the uh, Rockies second baseman. He said McMahon was going to push to second base and was going to be the yeah, second baseman. Yeah, because McMahon is, a, is younger and is a better defender. Yeah, so. and much better defender. You don't want Mike Moustakis there. And then that leaves Alharis Montero, Nolan Jones, and Mike Moustakis. And like I said, all team officials uh, were out watching Moustakas. They had the track man. He was happy about it. So there's a, there's a deep pull for you. I don't know if I'm rushing in 15 teamers yet, but, you know, Colorado Rockies third baseman. Never know. Never know. All right. Uh, that's going to do it. Eno's got to go out to some games. I'm going to do the same thing. So thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We'll be back next week for Eno. I'm Welsh. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. 